You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. Welcome to Alouette's Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football. I am Tim Capper, along with Cliffy D. How are you, buddy? Doing great, Tim. What's what's new and exciting in your end of the woods? Which is, uh, uh, which ironically enough, is my end of the woods. <laughs> well, it's it's both of our necks of the woods. We we know exactly what it is, but it's it's another league. <laughs> We're cheating. We're cheating. We're cheating on the CFL. Oh, oh, so naughty. <laughs> um. Not much. Just I think it's just uh, just getting a little tiring. And I understand it's that's this is how it works when it comes to negotiating with the you know collective bargaining agreement and whatnot. But um, you know, as usual, the teams are staying quiet. Actually, except for t- up until today, which we can talk about. Uh, but it's really just been the PU that's been s- oh, sorry the PA the PA that's, that's been saying it that's been saying it. No, that wasn't a Freudian slip, by the way. It, it wasn't anything meant by it. Uh, the Players Association, how about that? The Players Association just is the one who seems to be doing all the talking. And you know what, Cliff, from what you and I have seen from when it comes in to personal, you know, collective bargaining agreements to what we've seen in sports, this seems to be about the norm, doesn't it? It really does. And you're going to get a lot of posturing on both ends. Uh, I know that the league had canceled meetings leading up to – well, now they're back. They've been back on track this week. But uh, they canceled those. Uh, they've been withholding the players' bonus money. Uh, I mean, just all sorts of, you know, shenanigans back and forth, really. And then the the league, uh, the league's players actually took a strike vote, and it was overwhelmingly in favor of if it came to that. So, uh, again, I, how can I clean this up? A lot of uh, uh, pee-pee waving more than anything else. <laughs> I'm trying, lot, to, I'm trying to keep things clean for 2019. You, mean a, so. you, mean, you mean a lot of dictator waving? Yes, the dictatorship of yes. the uh, yes. the players, the, the players association, and the Canadian Football League. There's a a <laughs> lot of dictation going on. So, <laughs> as you uh, see, folks, we got ourselves a, a brand new dictionary. That's right. That's right. And we're being canceled. So yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I've canceled the show. Thoughts and prayers. Yes, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't like it, but there's nothing much we, as fans, we can really do. Um, we do have uh, to talk about on a positive note the, the draft that's coming up in the in a, the you know couple next day, couple of the next few days, and we have a guest with us this week. It is the uh, director of, of national, um, the director of. For the Alouette. Scouting. Yeah, thank you. God, I'm losing it, man. Director of National Scouting for the Alouette's Miles Gorell. So we'll be talking to him. And uh, I know, Cliff, you want to talk about the draft a little bit. And, and, and you know, transparency is, you know, uh, with all transparency, and I've said this before, um, I'm a football guy. I'm a stats guy. Um, I'm trying to learn and like the draft. <laughs> Well, it, and I can understand that there's a lot of people are just like, well, okay, wh- what direction do I go in as far as trying to pay attention? Because yeah. people know the draft is important because, let's face it, 
the superstars that you see today, at one point they were raw rookies that were, you know, fresh out of university and uh, just, you know, just trying to find just a spot on a football team. And I think a lot of fans tend to forget that more often than not. So, like, when you talk about the draft, like, it's, it's exciting for people that really love football because they want to know who the next big star is going to be because, let's face it, players retire. Players get hurt and they don't uh, – come back from injuries uh players go to the nfl i mean it there's a lot of turnover turnover so to speak in the canadian football league so to me part of the fun of the draft is just seeing which next canadian superstar is going to ascend to that next level and players that were drafted two three years ago now you're starting to see those roots take shape and now you're starting to see these guys become something in the canadian football league they may not be necessarily household names like a bo levi mitchell or but mike riley but there is a lot of good young Canadian talent out there, and now the key is almost—it's like trying to get in on the ground floor. You want to—you want to find out who the next major university stud that's going to come join the Alouettes, and whether it comes from any of the universities here in Quebec or if it comes from anywhere else in Canada, you want to know who the next great Alouette's going to be. Well, this draft could very well unearth that—that that, that next superstar, and that to me is part of the fun of the draft and watching the combine and going over film and all that stuff to to me that's what's really interesting more than anything else i, I watched it i will admit i did watch a little bit of the of the combine because they have how it was presented this year being online and and um it was it was very interesting uh i don't know where it's gonna where it would occur uh how it's gonna turn out but uh i can honestly say that i was very impressed with the quarterback from ubc oh yeah My, michael o'connor is yeah. he's got it down and Tell you what, he's not the only like we're we're not the only ones who are impressed. The Canadian football was not the only one impressed because the Seattle Seahawks yeah. actually invited him to the rookie minicamp, which does seem to be happening more and more over the past few years. Is well, uh, quite this, a bit this the, year too. Quite a few guys from from U Sports had an invite to some sort of. So I think one guy got a invite to two uh, to two mini uh, rookie minicamps. One with the, I can't remember who it was. One with the Steelers and one with um, oh, who was it? Uh, enter NFL name team name here um yes. so well the bears the uh the bills i i know the uh, those are a couple of teams that are inviting a lot of their lions, players lions yep uh, even the the san francisco 49ers yep, my lions, team yep. they've invited uh, a canadian kid to uh, at least a rookie mini camp like that's the thing just because you're invited to the mini camp doesn't mean you're gonna be signed by the team necessarily like you still have to go and you have to show out it's basically yeah. another audition for these these players so but at the same time the it does kind of affect the draft a little bit, the CFL draft, because God forbid these kids show up, show out, and they end up getting signed by the NFL team. Like, do you still want to burn a draft pick on these guys? Like, that's this is part of the uh, the mental gymnastics that the 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 Alouettes and well, pretty much all the uh, Canadian Football League teams will have to do when when Thursday rolls around. Because yeah, they may have their eyes and hearts set on a particular player, but if this kid goes to that camp, you draft him. Thinking, okay, well, he's he's just going to a camp, no big deal. And but, then he gets then he gets signed to that futures contract. Yep, and then you don't see this kid for two, three, four years, and God only knows what's going to happen at that point. I mean, it's it, it's it's a roll of the dice, really, when it comes to the the drafts. And it's been like this for now for the past couple of years. A lot of kids get invited to a rookie camp, and more often than not, though, usually those kids they show up, they play their hearts out. And it's still not good enough for that particular team. And again, that happened. At least you know you can fall back knowing that, okay, I gave it my best shot. Now I can focus on being a member of this CFL team. 
So there's, it, it's a good opportunity for the players, but at the same time, it's still got to be tough for the the scouts and the general managers of the Canadian Football League teams because you, you just don't want to blow you, you don't want to blow a draft pick, especially a high first or second round draft pick on a player that may or may not play for your team for the next couple of years. I mean, that's a it, it, it's a real crapshoot. I mean, I mean, it could be worse, dude. It could be like the poor guys. Uh, who played in the in the AA, uh, AAF and can't get out of their contract at all right now because of the uh, of the bankruptcy proceedings? Oh, what a farce! What an utter farce! To tell you the truth, I mean, I sure mean, NFL because they had their, that agreement in place, but uh, they, so some of these got out of their contracts and some went to the Arena League, uh, you know, with no problem. But why why weren't they able to get out of their contracts and go and come to the CFL? I, I just don't get it. Well, an official what well, what I've been. Uh, unofficially officially told is that they still view the contract these contracts as assets even though like even though there's bankruptcy which to be is like well if this particular business has gone bankrupt then it ceases to exist like any contract signed should be automatically null and void but for some reason because of this bankruptcy proceeding or whatnot they still consider that to be a actual sellable asset like they I, I think the aaf and their creditors are hoping that cfl teams will just come along and buy those contracts and why would any CFL team do that? Like, they'll just wait it out, and then eventually these guys, these contracts will not be worth the paper they were written on, yeah. and they'll be able to sign these guys at their leisure. So it just sucks for the players, though, because I'm sure a lot of them would love to at least have a chance to come and try out and maybe get on a, a CFL roster, but now they're not able to because of this this ridiculousness. It's 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 unfortunate, really. What about the guys? Uh, maybe there just wasn't something in there. Maybe it just have, doesn't have pertain to indoor football because there were a ton of guys, as you and I both know, who uh, who played in the AAF and came over just like that to play in the Arena Football League. You know, one being you know Atlanta Legends wide receiver Malachi Jones. He had no, he had no problem just coming back to Albany. Well, uh, was he not really? I think I think he was released. I guess I guess they release players if they think that they're going to sign with an NFL team, and maybe that was the intent, and then it just oh, fell through. Okay, maybe, I, maybe, maybe it's possible. Like it just seems weird. I, I can't imagine they would write a contract language to specifically forbid the CFL from trying to sign their talent. Although if I'm the CFL, I'd be like, "F you!" I'm just if I want to get this guy on my team, I'm I'm signing him, and to hell with you and your bankruptcy. But. I don't know. It's, it, it sounds like legalese to me. Well, that's it. I'm, unfortunately, I'm not a lawyer, and um, I, I, I can't. And you don't play one on TV. I, I don't play one on TV, nor on nor on the podcast. So I, I wouldn't even begin to try and speculate on that. That's just not my my forte, if yes. you will. Yes. Um, we might as well go ahead and talk about the elephant in the room. It's obviously it's the CBA negotiations and. One of the more interesting things that came over the wire today uh, before we started uh, taping the show was that the, uh, the CFL basically said to all teams, um, there, are five, there are five of the eight of you that if your players go on strike, it is Ill- it do not show up to camp, it is illegal. I guess it's going against labor laws. So the mm-hmm. three teams that kind of have... I guess it w- have it working for them are the are is the BC Lions, Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and the Montreal Alouettes. Mm-hmm. And their wording was very interesting, and I don't remember them doing this last time, but I remember the i the the issue of labor came up with the last CBA negotiation, specifically in Quebec. 
uh, you know, and scabs crossing over or getting replacements. That that's what it is specifically. Replacements. Um, mm. What's what's your th- what's your thought on that? Does that I, as you said, it's all you know, p- putting out your chest, uh, being a dictator and stuff like that. <laughs> what uh, what what do you think about that? I mean, it's is it a is it a is it a plus for the league to do this, or as you said, are they just they're just blowing smoke, possibly blowing smoke? We could be blowing smoke, but I mean, again, labor labor laws are labor laws. You can't circumvent them for anything. And I'm I, I can't imagine the CFL would have specific exemptions for certain situations like this because again, this is not like a bunch of plumbers going on strike or a bunch of uh, carpenters going on strike. It's these are football players and most of them who don't even live in Canada. Uh, but again, as, as a member of a union, there, there has to be some sort of language that sort of allows this to happen. So, uh, I don't know. I, I, I still think though that this is, there's a lot of posturing going on. There's a lot of, as you said, puffing out of the chest and that, uh, and again, all, all this to say that this past week, though, the talks apparently have been very good, and they've actually scheduled another four or five days of media, uh, mediation okay. to, to go over things uh, over the next uh, week or two. So I have to believe things are kind of going in the right direction. I think a lot of it is just sort of worst-case scenario stuff. Uh, that's that's how I'm taking it right now is, okay, these things could happen. So just don't be shocked if we decide to pull the plug on this or we decide – to not show up or we decide something else entirely. I mean, I, I, I think there's a lot of, like I said, a lot, a lot of posturing more than I, that's the best way to describe it. Yeah. As, as far as I'm concerned, you gotta, you gotta look out for yourself. If you're the league, you gotta look out for yourself. If you're the players, you, and the union, I mean, there, there, there's a lot of layers here for sure. And as, as far as I'm concerned, like I'm, I'm not about to hit panic just yet because I mean, for all we know, they may end up saying, okay, Show up to camp because legally you have to. Uh, once you get to camp, and also too, you your boat, your you, a lot of players also have bonuses for actually showing up to camp. So they may they may even advise the players to go there, collect your bonus, and then perhaps one two days in, maybe then that's when you take strike action. Because I know also in Alberta too, I believe that you have to give seventy two hours notice yeah. if you're yeah. intending to strike. Yeah. So they may. Work something, work something like that. I'm not sure, but again, because the league, I think the league in that statement too, that letter uh, did state that uh, uh, you risk losing any of your, basically the money that that the league is withheld, which is which is one of their bargaining ploys uh, or tools that they use this year uh, for for any of the players that had off season uh, an off season payment coming to them. So, mm-hmm. no. So again, all this to say that yes, there there still is negotiations going on and. Everything that I've seen so far has been things are, are actually progressing decently, all things considered. So, who knows? Maybe this is all just sound and fury that is all for nothing at the end of the day. So, and, and I'm hoping that's what it is. I hope that these these two sides, obviously, the best the best possible scenario is both sides are going to lose something in order to get something done. Right. And if they can just come to some sort of a, an agreement, some sort of understanding that is at least workable for everybody and just get the ugliness out of the way and let's just focus on getting some football back on the field. Yeah. Um, the other, the other interesting tidbit that has come across the wire. And before we get to our interview with miles Gorell, and then we'll, we'll talk, uh, we'll 
Cliff will try to uh, talk with me about the draft. <laughs> uh, is this uh, one group, two group, three group? It sounds, it sound, you know, three. It, it sounds like a, a out of a, a, a story out of a Dr. Seuss novel. You know, one owner, two owner, three owners, green eggs and ham. Uh, we seems to be that they're at any given time right now. We've had three different ownership groups that have supposedly been in the in the running to to own the Alouettes, whether it be the CFL that currently owns them or whether it be it'd still be the Wetnell family. Um, the most interesting news as of late, uh, before it was debunked was that uh, Stephen Broffman had a, was involved in a group that wanted to buy the team. Which, if I'm not mistaken, isn't that the second time that he's been mentioned about buying the club? Well, there's been... His name has been floated in amongst uh, some of the potential suitors for the Alouettes, uh, which to me I found was interesting because I know he's very interested in being a part of any potential ownership group to bring the Montreal Expos back or to bring Major League Baseball back to Montreal. I think, I think he's part of the majority majority ownership group that would do it, yeah. Yeah, and also, too, he'd also be part of the negotiation for negotiating a, a piece of land to build a new baseball stadium on. So to me, that the, the fact that he's now been linked with the Alouettes is kind of interesting. I don't know if it's tied into possibly having to play at Olympic Stadium or be associated with Olympic Stadium as well. Because, let's face it, if even if Major League Baseball decides to give the Expos back to Montreal— they're going to have to play at least a couple of seasons at the Big O until they get a, a brand new ballpark built. Yeah. And I guess if you're going to own the Expos, why not own the Alouettes as well? Perhaps that's the the thought by the Canadian Football League and and by this uh, this this group by Stephen Broffman. But I haven't personally heard anything from him or anyone associated with his group mentioning anything about the Alouettes. So I don't know if his name was just thrown out there because it's a possibility, or maybe just hoping that maybe he'd be interested in that or maybe almost almost like a, like a trial thing like if i can buy the alouettes and bring them back to glory imagine what i could do with a baseball team kind yeah. of thing yeah i mean that's really possible but uh i mean all, all yeah I, I you know all the groups seem to be local ownership which is a plus um i, I think that's been made it's been made very clear that the most successful teams are run by the people that live there like, yeah. like the idea the idea of the thing is if you're going to build roots in the community, it, it doesn't behoove you to be running, trying to run the team from afar. Like, take a look at what's happened in Ottawa with the Senators. Like, Eugene Melnick lives in Barbados and just comes up to Canada every once in a while either to run his mouth or uh, his other interests, his other financial interests. But uh, trying to run a, a professional sports franchise from afar it's easier said than done and ideally if the Alouettes were to be purchased it would make a lot more sense to have it owned by someone based here in Quebec it's uh to me to, to me it just seems silly to, to think about it otherwise I mean the Wetton Hall family not necessarily in in Montreal but they're not terribly far away either so I mean they've made it work for 20 plus years but uh I, I think it would be a real a real boon to have Quebec-based owners running this football team and doesn't have to be French just to make that clear just a matter of smart successful people that understand what it takes to make football thrive here in Montreal and basically throughout Canada too I mean that's that's the key is making sure that you have people that are have vested interest in this football franchise exceeding all expectations by 
do, not just doing okay on the football field, but doing extremely well. And then selling tickets and selling merchandise and getting people excited about football in general again in this city. I mean, yeah. that to me is got to be the goal of whomever it is that runs this organization going forward. What's your thought, though, on, on the three ownership group? Well, I guess we can see now it's now down to two. Because, you know, we keep hearing that the point group was out, but now they're back in or kind of back in. So it's, it's like the it's either the local media is being fed the wrong information or the sources are just uh, not necessarily talking out of their butts. But, I mean, it's they don't have the entire story because, you know, we had the local guy from Cote St. Luke. And now, we, you know, it's, I, I, you know the, I don't know. I just want a good owner who has the cash, who's able to do do what's necessary. Mm-hmm. No, that's it. And that's what it comes down to is someone that can come in, will probably have to eat some losses to start off. And that's, what, they, that's what interested me too, by the way. When Herb mentioned about Bron- the Bronfman group, capping capping the, the losses at $2 million, I was like, what? You know, where does that stuff come from? Just out of the blue? Yeah, you're just making I mean, up. They, you got to admit, that, that's such a random thing to be reported. And yet it was wrong or partially wrong, I guess we could say. Whether it was, you know, it was debunked now, but we, I don't know. But anyways, back back to the thing about the two, I mean, it's just a matter, as I said, local ownership, have the money, get it done. <laughs> yeah. Now, again, there, there's positives and negatives to both potential groups that are in the running. Like, I, I think we can safely discount Stephen Brofman for now yes. for the reasons we just talked about earlier. Yeah. Uh, I mean, LaPointe's group is interesting because, yes, Eric LaPointe is a former football player, a former Montreal Alouette, and someone who is very has gone out in the media and has been made very clear about how how much he would like to be the one leading the Alouettes, the one that would be owning the team. And he said, just give me a number and I'll write a check. So, I mean, like, when you've got someone that's that has that vested an interest in in this, you know he's not going to just jump in foolishly. Like, I, I don't think he's – I think he's thinking with his head and a little bit with his heart, which is good. Uh, I don't think he's just going in there just, you know, for the excitement of owning a football team. I think if he thinks he can make this a, a very – successful franchise both on and off the field then by all means i i I would love to see him do it uh this other group led by uh uh, clifford stark and also brad smith has also been linked to that as well i mean brad smith as you know the son of larry smith former cfl commissioner former president of the montreal alouettes i mean there's that football tie to it as well so i mean there's definitely a lot of positives on both sides of the uh of the ownership groups that are there but uh I think what it comes down to is who 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 does the league see as a potential perfect fit for this franchise? Because you you can't make a misstep here. You have to be able to have one hundred percent confidence that whatever group you choose, whether it's the points group or the start group, whatever group you choose has to be the group, the one that's gonna be able to lead this team for not just the next year or two, but next decade or two. What I think was funny is how the how the how the chat with former Owls president Larry Smith was reported outside of Quebec. Um, you know, if anybody listened, it was on. He was on TSN six ninety talking to Mitch Melnick. I think it was Mitch Melnick at the time, or maybe I, maybe I'm wrong. But you know, it was reported, and then it show, then it shows up on some of the other news sites. I will put it third party news sites, and and how it came across. You know, Alouette's a concern to the commissioner. You know, Larry Smith. I, I you know it's. I think I listened to it. He, it's how he was talking, and I'm like, 
eh. It's Larry Smith. He's not, you know, sure his son may be involved with this other group, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's you know, it's a lot like the CBA, Cliff. It's like, it just feels like nobody knows what the hell they're talking about. No, it, for, for sure. It's, as I said, a lot of talk, a lot of speculation, and we're still no closer to the answer than we were a month ago, two months ago. Yeah, unfortunately. All right, well, you know, let's, let's talk about, uh, let's get to, to some, some positive talk here. Uh, not that not not that having a new owner isn't positive. It's just, just I guess, just the actual process of getting to it. Um, CFL draft is coming up this week, and we felt what better way to uh, start the process and let the fans know about questions that we had about the draft stuff that maybe you would have asked. Maybe you had some some ideas about what this meant or what that meant. Um, but we decided to reach out to the Alouettes, and we were lucky enough to get, as I said, uh, Miles Gorell. Uh, he is a uh, current, he is a, a CFL Hall of Famer, uh, head of national scouting for the Owls, and um, we were able to chat with him. So um, when we get back, uh, we will finish up the last segment and we'll talk about the draft that is upcoming for the Owls. And online with us now is a gentleman who has such a huge pedigree when it comes to the CFL, and he's here to. Help us talk about the, the CFL draft and especially about our favorite team, the Montreal Alouettes. With us now is a man who was inducted into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame back in 2013. Uh, has a huge, huge history within the CFL himself. He is currently the uh, director of national scouting for the Montreal Alouettes, Mr. Myers Miles Gorell. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you very much for having me on your show, gentlemen. Uh, I got a I got a question. Uh, I'm looking forward to I, I'm like I'm looking forward to discuss the Montreal Alouettes with you guys. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Now, um, for okay, with you being a, a part of what was coming up, I'm sure with the with the upcoming draft, um, for any fans who who look at their I guess they what they have in their future when it comes to first round draft picks, should fans really? be worried that the owls don't have draft picks for the for the x number of years i mean because i think what fans need to remember too is that we have three three picks in the second round and we have one every round sent through that through the uh through the eighth do fans really have anything to worry about miles when it comes to not having any first round picks well we already have our first round pick on the field in tyler johnston because mm-hmm. we decided last year when we took supplemental round draft pick of tyler johnston and traded our first pick this year, we got him last year. So we have him signed, sealed, and delivered, and he's ready to play once uh, once the season begins. And he's a starter for us. And it's very rare that you can find a starter in the first round, guaranteed almost. And we have him. So we have our first-round draft pick on the field. Okay. That's a very direct way of saying it. <laughs> um also, and, and, and for those fans who may have heard of it and don't know much about it, there was this whole hullabaloo recently, Miles, about the about the I think it's the Alouettes and the Argos getting some supplemental draft uh, draft picks. Are you able to explain those a little bit more? Uh, well, the the best I can explain it is in the NFL they they've had supplemental picks for years, depending on who you lose and and things like that, and it's not exactly like that, but. What they've done is given the two worst teams in the league in the biggest in the biggest drawing area, like you know Quebec and Ontario are the two most populous provinces. Right. They've given them another another chance to have a local 
local kid play for your team. And so what we have is a very good um, uh, ability to take somebody local, whether it be from the University of Montreal, Catabin, or the Laval Rouge or the Sherbrooke Verde or or McGill Redmond, or, uh, you know, the uh, Concordia Stingers. Uh, we have all these teams uh, with the ability to take one of those players. And plus there's the rest of the Quebec um, football players who happen to be playing in different, different places in the, in the e-sports world, or the NCAA for that matter. Right, right. Okay, because I will admit, I, I knew about the, the supplemental draft picks when it came to the NFL, but, I mean, are, is this type of thing relatively new? For the CFL, well, well, I think they first had, you know, back back in the old days when I was young and had a full head of hair and on my own teeth, they used to have two two players for each team, and they got picked before the draft started. So you know, you ended up with guys like Nick Araki here in Montreal, Doug Scott. Um, you know, there was there was gentlemen here that played and would be, you know, in the Hall of Fame. Uh, on their own rights, that are guys that were picked as a draft, you know, as a supplemental picks, and, and there's very many players across the CFL that were localized, and they and they play in their home cities to give the fans somebody to cheer for automatically because a lot of people knew these kids. Fair enough, Cliff. Yep. Okay, uh, Miles. When it comes to working with Cavis Reed, as far as the whole draft process goes, when it comes to like when you start scouting a player, all the way to going ahead and making that selection in whatever draft round it is, can you take us a little bit through the dynamic as far as what you and Cavis talk about as far as addressing needs, or is it just going for the best player, or like what exactly is what? Explain to the fans what goes through your head as far as the whole draft process goes when you find someone that you like. Well, I look at ability to play football probably first and foremost. He gets noticed, right? Somebody notices him, something comes on your radar, and and you see him as a player, and whether he's athletic, he's got great hands, whether he's got speed, you know, there's something that you've noticed about him. And then you got to dig a little deeper, you know, and, and find out what what he's all about and what that player can bring to your team, whether he has heart. And you'll see me on the sidelines of a lot of youth sports games, not in the uh, in the press box, because that's where you get the film from. Uh, you can see everything from up there. I like being on the sidelines to learn about the players and see what they're really all about. I like players that are, you know, um, play for play for the love of the game. You know, Jean-Gabriel Poulin, you know, he's a perfect example. You know, he's a great kid, you know, left home uh, in Quebec, moved to London, Ontario to play football. And, and now he plays with a zeal and a, and a, a savoir-faire, you know, as you might say. I love the way he plays football. He goes all out all the time. And, uh, and you know, that's the kind of guys that you got to look for um, on the sidelines, you know, you, you watch him play in the field and you see him play football, you know, he can play football, but what does he really feel about the game? And that's how I intonate to Cavus about certain players, you know, how I regard certain guys that they have, um, 
you know, a certain something that you don't really get from film work. Now, speaking of Cavis, uh, I'm sure you must be aware that uh, there are a lot of people out there, a lot of detractors out there that don't feel that he's doing the best possible job. Now, when it comes to scouting, though, I mean, and dealing with the, the whole draft process, like how much of an input does Cavis have on a pick or versus how much you and your scouting staff has? Well, um, there is, uh, he is, you know, entitled in, in and the head manager. So I answer to Cavis and uh, I have to make my um, thoughts known and I have a loud voice and I am temperamental and cranky and an old man and put those all together. And is if he better have a pretty good reason for me, if I say, I really like this guy, he has to come up with a reason why he doesn't like the guy and he's still the boss. He can always overrule me. And we have a lot of fun arguments. And I think that's one of the reasons we got together is you can argue with somebody, you know, you can be friends, you can be worker, coworkers, but you have to get to the same spot. You have to get to the same spot and agree why you're taking somebody, um, whether he's the best player available, whether he is the best player at that position, whether he's good for the team. You have to know all these things. And, uh, I believe that Cavis and I work well together, and I believe that we can tell each other we're wrong and still end up in the same place we need to be to uh, to, uh, to to agree on getting a really good pick. You know, and it worked with Tyler Johnson. It worked uh, with several of our players last year. You know, Rutherford. Uh, you have to get to the same spot. You have to be pro and con with all. All the, all the knowledge you have on players and all that knowledge brings us to the point where it's, if we take them, what's going to happen? So you try and judge all these things. And, you know, and the biggest thing is you got to judge the heart, you know, and does he want to play and will he play or is going to, you know, pick up his ball and go home because you don't want that to happen. You want the kid to have fun. You want, you want the player to have fun. You want him to be, want to be here. I wanted to be in Montreal in 1982 and 1983 and 84 when I played here. I enjoyed living in Montreal. It's a great city. Was there ever a point, by the way, and you don't have to name names, but I mean, was there ever a point where you have uh, been overruled on a player thinking that that the other player that was chosen shouldn't have been the person chosen, but ended up being wrong that they ended up being a star in the league? Has that ever happened before? Uh, you know, it's going to happen. <laughs> Um, you know, it, it's, it's going to happen more often than you think, but I try and, and rationalize who's going to be a, a good player, you know, and I use an example, you know, like, you know, the, the fact that we used a lot of players over the years, you know, first round draft choices sometimes don't work out a lot of, you know, in, in every league, in every league that you play in, whether it's hockey, football, baseball, um, the guys in the third, the fourth, the fifth, the, the nuts and bolts of the team are the guys I'm most proud of. You know, uh, you draft a guy and you see, do we have differences in opinions all, all the time? And have I been overruled? Absolutely. Have I regretted it that I didn't stand on the table more? At other teams, I've been adamant about it. And, you know, with one draft under our belts between Cavis and I, mm-hmm. We we came to, you know, like he had to let me pick guys last year and bite his tongue. And he, and he thanked me for it later. It proved I was right. 
So you have to build up a trust, even though, you know, it was our first year together last year and we won't name names. And, you know, we got, we got lucky with players and you get lucky because you don't know what the kid's going to do. You know, um, you know, you, you could have, you could have, uh, unrequited love, you know, you could have your girlfriend staying back where she, where she lives and the kid, and I've had this where the kid cries every night cause he can't be with his girlfriend. I've had kids, you know, they've decided they're moving back home. You, you have to be a, a psychologist as well as, you know, a scout. And you have to figure these kids out. Because, you know, kids aren't the same as they were 40, 50 years ago. And this will be my, la- my last question, and then I'll let Cliff take us home. Um, when you, whoever the Alouettes will pick as their first pick in the 2019 draft, um, if you had a chance to speak with him before you pick him and, and you're going to tell him that you're going to pick them as to be with the owls, what, uh, what would you say to him? Would you, would you, what type of advice would you be giving this player before you, before the owls make him the number one pick of the Alouettes in 2019? Enjoy your day. Cause you know what? Uh, I'm a 63 year old man who's enjoying the crap out of having a job that he gets to come to work in shorts every day, talk something about something that they absolutely love. And how many people get an opportunity to do that? So do what you love to do. If it's football, then play hard every day and make it fun. That's all I tell them to do. Make it fun. Enjoy it any way you can. I tormented coaches because it made fun for me. You can ask a whole bunch of different coaches if I tormented them. And they'll tell you yes. Some of them figured me out and just let me talk. Other ones traded me away. I got traded five times to them to two different teams. I played for two teams twice. So it's not about my ability and not about your ability. It's about how you can do the best with your ability. And I love these kids that want to play hard, and they go out there with a smile on their face. They try hard, and they're sad when they lose, but once they're off the field, it's another day. I get to go live another day and play the game I love. Man, you're just living the dream, aren't you, Miles? Well said. (laughs) Well, I tell you what, you can't, my mom just laughs because, you know, we're all getting older. I got two brothers, two sisters and a brother, and they're all retired. And my mom just goes to me, you don't really have to work. You don't really have a job. You go to work in shorts, t-shirt and runners. How can that be a job? How can you retire from that? I go, mom, I got a job. I, I get paid. I got a job, mom. <laughs> you know, it's just hard to explain to your 83 year old mother that you still have a job, you know, and that you love and you, you're still in shorts, but you know, that's just the way it is. And it's fun. And, you know, and I, I enjoy it every day. My kids enjoy what I do. And my wife loves it. She loves the CFL. We're huge fans. We stand at attention when we listen to, to the national, you know, anthem, we stand there in our colors and go to games we're very much CFL fans, the whole family. So, you know what? I, I can't be prouder than being a Montreal Alouette. I love Montreal. My best friend, Doug Scott, lives here. And uh, I enjoy coming here. I enjoy coming to Montreal. You can't tell me that it's, I'm in the wrong business. I love Montreal. <laughs> and I enjoy the draft. It's so much fun. And, you know, some people might say it's trite and everything else. But you know what? We try and do the best we can. And uh, I love being here in Montreal. Good to hear. Go That's ahead. awesome. Uh, so again, uh, with all that said, uh, you've done, you've watched the film, you've read the reports, you've you've done your due diligence. Everything is good. Uh, as far as this draft class goes, like you've been to the combine, you've seen everything that's out there on all the potential draft picks that are out there. 
How do you feel this draft class rates compared to previous draft classes? You'd have to go back quite a few years to see as good a draft class in the receivers, in the D-line. Um, it's still a strong O-line draft. You're, you know, with some of the goings-on that have happened, you're going to be missing out on a few DBs. But it's still a good draft. You have to work with what you have. I can't, I can't, you know, build players. All I can do is help them get coached up and have fun and enjoy themselves and make them better players. Uh, that's all anyone can ask for. If any prospective draft picks are listening to this, that is some great advice. Just take it all in, enjoy the moment, and be ready to work because this is a dream come true. It could end tomorrow. Yes, it could. It could end tomorrow. You never know. You know, your your game, could, your your ability could end tomorrow. So. Well, Miles, we, we really appreciate your time. I, I, we know you're very busy considering that the draft is literally right around the corner. Um, I, yep. I, I have to ask, I mean, uh, if anybody wanted to contact you, do you are you on social media? Can people follow you on social media? Sure. Yeah. Sure. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm poor at it. <laughs> what I, I'm a follower and I enjoy it, but I just don't know how to do many things. I'm, I'm old. And I'm not that talented, but I really enjoy it. And people do reach out. I do. Um, I do send back messages because I like people. I love Canadians. Mm-hmm. I love Americans, but I love CFL football fans. Where, where's, so, where's the best place that they can find you then? Oh, I'm on Twitter and uh, uh, Facebook. I, I'm all over the place. Okay. I just I just don't don't tweet a lot of stuff out there during the season. I do, okay. but not not during the. Uh, so I just don't know how to. I have to have my kids help me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, do, do you know what your Twitter handle is so people can follow you? Like Cliffy and myself? Are you, are you serious? <laughs> you know that. Come we'll, we'll, on. We'll, we'll, we'll put out a link. Don't worry, Miles. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure we'll, it out. We'll okay. <laughs> okay, man. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Take care, Miles. It's nice to see a guy to show as much passion as Miles did, considering how old he is, but yet it doesn't seem to matter. You know, the, the, to hear the story that he told about his wife, you know, <laughs> it, it is a job. It is a job. And, and it, it's, it's, just, it's just funny. It, it's just, and it's also great to hear that type of thing. So uh, props to, to Miles, and thank you for to, the, to the Alouettes for allowing... Uh, allowing him to come on and uh, considering how busy he's he is and you know having access like this in the cfl there's there's no you know, there's no better thing yeah let's not forget folks i mean the, the draft is in a couple of days and this is the crunch time for the the scouts the general managers the assistant general managers uh, all the directors like th- this is their time to shine like they you know the the fact that uh, Miles was able to take some time out and you know sit and chat with us for a bit. I mean, again, my hat goes off to him, and you know I definitely appreciate the opportunity to be able to sit with him and just get a little bit more insight about what's going on behind the scenes a little bit with the Alouettes and their their draft needs. Because let's face it, the Alouettes. I understand why a lot of people are kind of looking down their nose at this team because, yeah, uh, on the surface there is no first round draft pick this year. There's no first-round draft pick next year, and there's no first-round draft pick the year after. So I can understand why, on the surface, people would be kind of giving the team a little bit of side eye. But as Miles pointed out, we do have a first-round draft pick. He's just already in the lineup for us yeah, with Tyler and, Johnstone. And as I pointed out, too, we, we, have three, we have three picks in the second round. 
Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, just to follow up, because I know uh, it, uh, it's hilarious. He's on social media, but he doesn't know his his Twitter handle. Uh, if you wanted to reach out to Miles My- on social media, it is milesgorell 66 Yep. Definitely, uh, yeah, definitely hit him up. Uh, like I said, he, he wants to talk to people. He wants to be social. He wants to be a part of the scene. And I guarantee after the draft, he'll have, once his work is done, I'm, I have no doubt in my mind he'll, he'll, he'll sit and want to chat some football with, uh, with you fans, especially if you go to training camp too. If you see him, definitely shoot him a hello. And, uh, you know, I, I, I man, I, I tell you, I was, I was excited to talk to him. He, he, <laughs> He's just living the dream, as I said. He's loving life yeah. and being a, and who wouldn't be excited at the prospect of being a profession, being involved with a professional football team at that level. I mean, that is that is outstanding, and just to have that that attitude of his is it's infectious. Let me tell you. Yeah. Um, so I say we got the draft coming up, and I know you did a little bit of research um, from what we've seen. I know we talked about you know some of the other players that you know at the combines and whatnot. Um, I don't see I don't see the Alouettes trying to to draft that quarterback from BC from UBC, but that would be pretty cool if he did. But I mean, uh, we we have a we have a pretty good group so far uh, when it comes to to quarterbacks, and you know we we also got the quarterback from Laval w- without going through the draft. How how's that happen? Uh, <laughs> I don't get that one either. Um, but going into the draft, which will be uh, is it the first two rounds we're going to be on TSN on TV? I believe that's it, that's how it's been for the past couple of years, and I imagine it's going to stay the same. And then, as uh, as the TSN coverage fades off, it goes back to the website. I believe it's uh, back to TSN.ca, and whether or not anybody will be able to watch it in time, God only knows. I, we've been hoping for years they would have figured out how to make this work, and every year I walk away just a little bit disappointed, more and more. So, God sakes, TSN, get it together. And when the second round is over, have your guys and your TV people and all that stuff be ready to go online. It's really not that hard. I mean, it can't be. You've only been doing this for, what, four, five years now? So maybe, just maybe, get your act together and, <laughs> and, and, and stop futzing around with this. Please, yeah. thank you. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not asking for much. I'm really not. I know you think most Canadians don't give a rat's ass about the draft, but this Canadian does. So get it together. Keep it together. Yeah, do your uh, job. That's what it comes yeah, down to. Do your job. So what? What do you? What do you? What do you see? And I, I know you're, you're doing a little bit of work uh, before we um, before we came onto the show tonight. And uh, I want to know what your what your thoughts are on uh, who, what 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 spots are the Alouettes most lacking in your opinion? Well, and that's the thing I was really kind of troubled with is what are the weaknesses for the Alouettes as far as like like having depth Canadian depth more than anything else. And I got to be honest with you, like a lot of the moves that were made in free agency and previous drafts. I mean, there's no one glaring area where he's like, Oh my God, we need to draft this guy. We need to draft that guy because we have no receivers, no O line, no, nothing like that. Like, I mean, for the most part, the Alouettes are in decent shape. I know because of the record the past couple of years, most people would be like, what the hell are you talking about? But when it comes to actual Canadian depth, this team is surprisingly in a good place. Uh, like as far as starters go and as far as actual national depth go, the Alouettes are really not in a bad place. That being said, 
I mean, one can never have too many offensive linemen. And I think that's one area that Montreal will probably focus on a little bit. Uh, I keep looking at this defensive line and I look at John Bowman. I love the guy, but he's not a young man anymore. And even though he said he's, I, I really, I, I really thought he was going to call it a career, but he decided no, no, I, I, one more kick at the can. But eventually, he will retire. Uh, that's that's just the sad reality. And does this defensive line, as it sits right now, are they good enough to go on without John Bowman? And I'd say they'd be they're in a good place, but you want to get to a great place. And I think one or two more pieces along the defensive line. I think would be a tremendous asset for the Alouettes because while you've got Bowman there, a, a true legend, a true veteran presence, this is a guy you want. You want to find someone that Bowman can take under his wing and mentor to be his uh, to be his replacement. And I think the Alouettes have that in Bo Banner, who they drafted last year. I, I think this kid could be something really special, and I think would be an excellent replacement for when John does finally call it a career. And that's great. But now. Who's going to back up Bo Banner? That's what I want to see because I'm 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 thinking now there's a a few defensive linemen that would not look out of place in an Alouettes uniform. So I'd like to see Montreal focus on that a little bit. Uh, as far as anything else, I mean, like quarterback. No, I don't see the Alouettes going after the one or two Canadian quarterbacks that will be entering the draft because uh, I think their quarterback situation now is well, I think it's vastly improved ever since we got rid of a certain someone. We shall remain nameless. Mm-hmm. But uh, honestly, I, I think a couple of receivers, uh, offensive linemen, you can never, as I said, you can never have too many of those. I think more on defense, though, you take a look at the defensive line, like the front seven, more than anything else. I think Montreal will be focusing on that just just to buff things up, just to just have a couple extra weapons in the war chest, I think would be, I think that's going to be Montreal strategy more than anything else. Yeah. I mean, I think what a lot of people are forgetting, too, is that, you know, we did actually pick up some guys in, in the was it the European draft and the Mexican draft. So, uh, hey, <laughs> uh, who knows? I think that's one thing everybody keeps forgetting about, too, is, is these draft picks that we picked up there. And if this kicker, if this kicker can boom those kicks, the Mexican kicker that we picked up can boom these kicks, man. Oh, yeah. In, in case you don't know who we're talking about, folks, uh, Enrique Yeni was taken in the uh, LFA, or, or I forget, the Liga Football Americano. I, I'm sure I, I screwed enough. that up. Yeah, because I, I, I don't want to just say the Mexican League, but uh, that's essentially what it is. Yeah, uh, yeah Enrique Yeni, uh, a hell of a leg on this kid. I mean, Boris Bede should be definitely concerned. Like, if he thinks he can just waltz into camp and just coast by, nah, if... This kid's gonna be this kid Yenny's gonna be in camp and uh, he's got a great leg on him. I, I think if anything, it's gonna make Bede a, a better competitor as well because he seems to play a lot better when he's got a little bit of competition. So I and I think this Yenny kid can really uh, again I think he can really provide that and I think he's motivated too to try and and make it in the Canadian Football League. So I, I think the kicking situation here in Montreal is about to get very interesting as a result of this. So yeah, and that, that, that came about as a part of this uh, CFL 2.0 partnership with this uh, league in Mexico. And then we've also got the European draft that happened drafting a, uh, a kid who actually played for the university of Montreal Caribbean. Uh, again, we, we didn't necessarily need a running back because we've got a very capable one in William Stanback and yeah. we drafted a great one in uh, Ryder stone last year. Plus Jeremiah Johnson was signed in free agency. Yeah. So, I mean, the running, running back situation here is, 
in pretty good hands. But hey, you know what? You got another kid who comes in with a great forty time, uh, good hands to, to hold on to the ball, and if he can he can get open in certain situations, hey, that's just more depth as far as I'm concerned. And the more depth you have at all your positions, the better off you are as a football team. Should be interesting. Should be very interesting. Um, as I said, with everything that we talked about talked about this episode, let's hope that. Everything come everything finishes out perfectly. We get some good guys in the draft. Um, maybe we'll get the, maybe we'll get the steal of the draft. Who knows? Because I mean, first first round draft picks are as as you said before. They usually they don't all always necessarily pan out. Whether they are going to play in the NFL or whether or whatever it may be. So, mm-hmm. and you think about like when you think about like the first overall pick. I mean, it, that's even more of a crapshoot because. In the past 10 years, there's only been two really good ones of note that are still actually playing in the Canadian Football League. One of them just happens to be Hinoch Mwamba, and he was drafted by Winnipeg. Yeah. So, again, you, you never know where the how the draft's going to work out. And that's part of the fun, too, is uh, a, a, another great example. Uh, the Mr. Irrelevant of 2008 or 2009, I believe, was uh, Luc Bredor Jodin. Yeah. And that would be the, the last pick taken in the, in the draft itself. And... That doesn't mean he's the worst player. He just happened to be drafted last. And look at the career he's had in Montreal. I mean, folks, you never know what's going to happen with with these draft picks. I mean, some of them don't work out. That's football. That that could happen anywhere, regardless of whether you're drafted in the first round or the eighth round. Point is, once you get drafted, that's your chance. That's your opportunity to come to camp, ready to work, and you got to blow the doors off of everybody. And that's what uh, that's what Luke did. He eventually, you know came in he he had the right attitude he, he worked hard and the opportunities came his way and look at the career he's carved out as a result who knows the the next luke bernard jordan could be drafted by the alouettes this thursday we don't know who he is yet but uh, you just that's that's beauty of football you just don't know what's going to happen and that's that's what makes it fun and to me that's that's what i love about the draft is that there's so many unknowns and so many possibilities that uh, you can't help but be excited as to what the future is going to hold for not just the Alouettes, but for the Canadian Football League as a whole. Yeah, exactly. So uh, as we mentioned, uh, you know, if you're interested in the draft, uh, it'll be on TSN. If you want to know more about the schedule itself, head over to tsn.ca. Uh, we want to remind everybody that we are on social media. Uh, you Best places that you can catch us um, is uh, on Twitter at Alouettes, Alouettes FL Deck. Uh, over at our Facebook page, it's Alex Flight Deck. Uh, and if you want to listen to any of the uh, recent shows uh, and all the archives, you can do so over at uh, alouettesflightdeck.ca, Google Play, uh, Apple Podcasts, um, Stitcher. Are we on Stitcher? <laughs> we, are, we, are, we are on Stitcher. <laughs> Stitcher and uh, Spotify. Yeah. And also, too, I'd like to mention that um, if you folks want to know more about what I think is going to happen draft-wise, who I think the Alouettes may be interested in, if you're looking for actual names, I will be posting a draft preview on the alternative just before the draft on Thursday. You, you actually just took my my last my next question. I was gonna I was gonna ask. <laughs> uh, see, I'm see we're we're thinking we're thinking. So yes, uh, yeah. and in case you're wondering where where you can find the alternative, you can head over to www.alternative.com. Or just follow myself on Twitter at Cliffy D or Tim at Repact, R-E-P-P-A-C-T. Yes. For all your uh, your Alouette's news, notes, thoughts, and opinions. Yeah. 
Um, so uh, I know it's been a couple of weeks since we had a show. We know we wanted to uh, to get out this show specifically for for the draft. Uh, we will be back. Uh, I guess we say come rain or shine or CBA or not, we will be back to at least update you, the fans, on on what's coming up um when it comes to the alouettes and everything cfo related so so cliff i know i will be seeing you this weekend it's gonna be fun it's not it's not cfo related but we know it's gonna be fun so uh uh i look forward to seeing you then bud and uh and uh when we get together next here on the podcast so for everybody here at the alouettes flight deck for cliffy day tim capper we're on final approach Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.